We're talking this morning about, uh, in our series, Dig Deep. And what we've been trying to do is look into ourselves as honestly as we can and as deeply as we can to see if there are some patterns in our lives, see if there are some things in our lives that uh, we're missing out on what God would have for us because we've either placed things in the way or uh, we don't have things in place that would allow us to experience uh, life the way God would have us experience life. When I was in my uh, mid-20s, it was during the uh, dot-com boom, and, um, and so uh, everybody was making money in technology, uh, you know, investing in different stuff, and stocks were going crazy, and every time I'd, yeah, I'd look on the, uh, you know, in the paper, somebody else was making a million dollars, and so I decided I was going to invest some money in uh, some technology stocks. Now, what happened uh, was probably the worst thing that could ever happen. I just nailed my first two stocks. Like, they just were awesome. And so, I figured I'm a genius. And uh, that this isn't really all that hard. And if I take, I, I, I took $2,000, which we did not have for me to be gambling uh, away. But we had $2,000 and I turned it into $5,000. And I remember I was on a business trip. And uh, I was checking uh, it on, online all the time, like to see if, if uh, what, what my portfolio was doing. It was an incredible, awesome use of my time on the business trip. But uh, so we were doing that. And, and so my 2000 became $5,000. And I remember thinking on this trip now, okay, so when, if I quit my job <laughs> and I just invest, because obviously... I'm pretty good at it. Uh, you know, I could just kind of take that 5000 and turn it into 10000 and turn it into 20000 and all this kind of stuff. And so, so uh, while I was thinking about that, um, over the different months and I was trying to reinvest, um, the stock market, the NASDAQ, started to take a turn for the worse, which hadn't entered into any of my equations at all. Um, and so my $5,000 became $4,000. And then became $3,000 and then became $2,000. And uh, so instead of just taking the 2000 back going, Whew, I dodged a bullet. That isn't what I was thinking about. I was thinking they owe me $3,000. Because <laughs> I had five. And now I have two. I got to get my $3,000 back. Right? I don't know if, you, if any of you can relate to that, but you just, your brain just kind of does crazy things. And so, um, so I took my $2,000 and I invested those $2,000 to get my $3,000 back. And my $2,000 became $1,500. Now they, now they owe me $3,500 and I'm going to get it back. And that became $1,000 and it became $500. And that's when I realized uh, two things. One, I'm an idiot, okay? Uh, it, it took $1,500 to figure that out. My wife had been saying it for years, but it took me $1,500. Uh, uh, but then the other thing I realized was, well, really, now what do I have to lose? I just take the 500 you know, hey, you're, you've already lost 1500 Like I said, I'm super smart. Uh, so I took the 500 and I opened up what they call a margin account. Now, a margin account is basically you put in money as collateral, and then you get to borrow some of the brokerage firm's money in order to invest so I can get my $4,500 back that they stole from me. So I had $500 in this margin account. They lent me some money to invest because, I, like I said, I'm a professional. And I got what is termed a margin call. Now, a margin call says, hey, dummy, <laughs> 
you were using some of our money. Now we need some more of your money to make up our money. And so this, a margin call is why people jump off of buildings usually because they realize not only did I lose all my money, now I owe somebody else their money, okay? Now, the good news is I learned this, uh, that I'm uh, a financial um, knucklehead early and it only cost me $2,000. Uh, if I'm ever going to invest again, it'll all be in the hands of professionals. Uh, but, but so that was kind of a, a, a good thing to learn. But the other thing is I had that feeling of what it's like when you're just right up against the wall financially. And just, I don't know if you've ever been there. Maybe, maybe, maybe now it's like with a credit card. You get that bill. You don't even want, it just like goes right into the shredder. It's like, I don't even want to look at it. I don't want it. But you get that feeling of, oh man. Or you bought a house and the market began to tank. Or you did something and you lost your job. And you just have that feeling where there's no space financially. There's no space. So that was in my mid-20s. Now you fast forward a couple decades and I'm in seminary going to this class called Foundations of Ministry Life and the class is designed to um, help you um, get through ministry alive. And, and so uh, rather than like, just pouring all your time and uh, all your resources and everything into ministry to kind of how to carve out space for that. So we did this thing, um, this one exercise uh, that we had to do and write a paper about it. We had to take a Sabbath. That, that's, uh, so what happens in a Sabbath, just like the Old Testament, at sunset, you can't do anything at sunset till the next sunset. Like nothing. You can't work. All, you prepare all your meals before. You make sure the house is clean before. You make sure you're all caught up on Walking Dead before. You just, it, it's, you get everything before the sun sets and then you have this 24-hour period. And so I had to do it. And so I, I convinced Lisa to join me or because she was just going to go live with her mom. Uh, but, uh, and so, so we did. We did this a, as a family. And, and, and what happens is, you know, at sunset, you, you, you have to have everything done. So you don't want like dishes hanging out. So we're just going, we're going crazy to get everything done by sunset. And I'm thinking to myself, this is the dumbest idea. How is this calming at all? This is terrible. And so we're going, going, going. You know, look out the window. I could still see the sun. You know, we're jamming all around, vacuuming, you know, and just doing all this stuff. And just that sense of pressure, pressure, pressure. And then sunset came. And we're like sitting in the, on the couch, like waiting for a nuclear strike or something. Like we don't know what we're, you know, kind of like, okay. You know, Jesus didn't show up or anything. We're just kind of sitting there. And after about 10 minutes, I'm like, man, that was an awesome Sabbath. Let's get some work done, you know, because that's my personality. And so 10 minutes became 10 hours. But, but uh, I went to bed early that night because there's nothing. What are you going to do, right? So I was in bed by 945. I woke up the next morning at 915. I almost got 12 hours worth of sleep. I even took a nap that day. The reason I remember all this is because I read my paper. Uh, just a couple days ago. Uh, and, and so, and I remembered all these things that happened, that just the feeling of, by the time we got to the next day in the afternoon, it was kind of like, oh, this is what it feels like to breathe. This is what it feels like to have space. This is what it feels like to not rush. This is what it feels like to actually have time to think. 
And just like that video we saw, oftentimes our, our minds are just so wrapped up with things and what's the next thing? And on Tuesday, I got this. And Wednesday, I got this. This is not where God wants us to be. We have this false narrative that, um, that, that just we bring it all the way up to the edges, all the way up. If I can get, I can work some more hours and we can get some more overtime. I can do this. We can schedule this. We can put this in here. And then, and, and then what happens is we want to just veg. And so we, we relax in ways that aren't necessarily healthy for us. Or we medicate to just try to get through the day. This is not what God uh, has for us at all. Um, let me give you the definition of margin, and we're going to be talking about margin quite a bit uh, this morning, and so I just want to give you my, the definition that I came up with. Margin is the space between our current conditions and our breaking point, like where your life is right now and your breaking point, and let me just tell you, we all have a breaking point. We all have a limit. We all, now, some of us, it's different. I, I can work 50 hours a week without even batting an eye 60 hours a week. Some of us aren't, aren't like that. It's just the way I'm wired. But I have a breaking point. You might be different. You might not be able to work as much, but you may be able to do something else. And you can just go, go, go or whatever. But you have a breaking point. We all have a breaking point. And the margin is the space between our current conditions and when we just are just maxed out. And here's the thing I think about where we are in just culture today, in America today. Culture will rob us of that margin. They will take, it will take whatever, however you want to define culture, every last drop of our money, every last drop of our time, every last drop of our attention, all the way up max. And that's not what God has for us. And oftentimes, it's not even good versus evil. It's good versus good. It's like, you know, getting the kids into all these different programs and stuff. They're not bad programs, ballet, glee club, you know, soccer, all that. It's not bad, but it just fills up so fast that we get to the edge. We, get, we, we are without margin. We're like me with a margin call. All of a sudden, something happens. I don't know if you've ever felt this. Something happens where you're like, that's it. Yeah, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. I just can't handle it one more second. Here's the, the vision that God has for us. We talked about this last, uh, last week. This fruit of the Spirit, if you're kind of new to the Bible or new to spirituality or whatever, this might sound kind of weird. It's just a term we use. The fruit of the Spirit is basically what your life looks like when it's been completely handed over to God, allowing Him to guide and direct and to rule in your life. The more we can take the different aspects of our life, our finances and our time and our relationships and hand them over to God, giving Him reign, our bodies, we give Him control. These things begin to come up. And what we talked about last week is we can't force fruit. You can't just like, dude, I want more patience. And, you know, all of a sudden you got this patience thing, you know, hanging, hey, look, I got some patience. It, these things just happen. They're, they're manifestations. They just happen as we give control over to God. And so as you see the list behind me, this fruit of the Spirit, this, this kind of natural progression of what happens when we give God margin in our lives, give God control, is that we have more love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. These all happen within the margin. 
And if you think about your life and you think about where you're so stressed out and everything, when, when you get to there and there's a margin call either on your time or on your finances, none of these really are present, are they? <laughs> you know, when, you're, when, you're, when you're working and you're just right up to the wall, it doesn't feel like peace and it doesn't feel like patience. It certainly doesn't feel like kindness or gentleness. It just feels like stress, maxed out. So this is what um, God has for us. Now, the thing is, God has been wanting this for us ever since the beginning of time. When he created the Garden of Eden uh, and, and, and created this time with us before sin kind of came in and ruined everything, it was that we would be in this garden, that we would tend. Uh, there's a misconception that in the garden we were just kind of naked lying around eating grapes. Um, while we were naked, uh, we were working, we were tending the garden, we were taking care of things. And this was the way God had it. He designed our bodies to work. But because sin came in, it kind of ruined that. And the other part of that was that we would work and we would kind of be together and then God would have relationship with us. And so when that got broken, uh, one of the curses, if you will, was that the, by the toil of our hands, that's how we'd get our money, our, our, our living. We would have to survive by working. And so it was by the sweat of our brow. What normally brought creativity and fulfillment was now something we had to do. And so what happened was God then began in this other process with his people where he wanted to take them into a land flowing with milk and honey with the exact same idea. Just obey me, be in communion with me, and I will take care of you in this land. And that got messed up. And so the people of Israel ended up being in slavery. And they were in slavery for 400 years. Now, the reason I bring all this up is because uh, what happened when God brought them out of slavery, I think we'll be able to identify as we look into this idea of margin. They were slaves for 400 years. So it would be like you, your dad, your dad's dad, your dad's dad's dad, then your dad's 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 dad. Grandpa, whatever. All, all that, all, that's all you've known is slavery. All you've known is what it, what it would be to be under the thumb of oppression. And this is so hard for us to understand. I mean, we can't even uh, remember or acknowledge or hold to as, as, as much importance as what we did to a group of people in our own country. We just want to forget that, you know. But when you've been in it and you've gone generation after generation after generation, it becomes part of your identity. It becomes who you are. So when Jesus, when, when God takes them out of the land of Egypt, he gives them these laws. Laws. And what the laws were supposed to do was to break them of that slave mindset and to allow them to live in a place where there's margin, where there's space, where there's breathing room. And so he, he, God brings in these three different things. He brings in the Sabbath, which to a slave, the idea of not having to work for a day, the, 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 to know that, man, God's going to take care of me, that God, God when, when you read in Genesis, on the seventh day God rested, he, he, he incorporates this principle to these people. And he says, you don't have to work seven days a week. Now again, when that's been part of your DNA, the thought of going, well, then how is everything going to get done? What do we do? And especially in that kind of agricultural setting, the cows don't milk themselves. You know, it's like, oh, it's a Sabbath. Okay, here we go. You know, it's like they don't do that. You've got to do that. They don't, the eggs don't get collected. The, the, the crops don't uh, get harvested themselves. You got to work. And so what God is saying is, no, 
Trust me. He brings in the Sabbath. The second thing he brings in is the tithe, which doesn't seem like space. It seems like, wait, you're taking my money away. But what God is bringing in the tithe is this idea that it's all his. You don't have to worry about it. It's all his. And so 10% comes back. And the way that it would work back in that, those days is it, the tithe would be in their house because you would actually be taking something to the temple. So it might be grain. It might be whatever. And you could see the tithe all day long, all week long. And you'd go, man, there's, there's our tithe. We're going to take that to the temple. And you can imagine when times got lean and there's the tithe and you're thinking, hmm, well, I might just grab a little. <laughs> it was just there to remind you, God's in control. He takes care. He's going to take care of you. The last thing that God brought in there, not the last, there's tons of things, but the one I want to talk about this morning is the law of gleanings. It's found in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 9. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest, the stuff that have just kind of fallen down. Don't go all the way to the limit when you're harvesting your land. Now think about this in terms of where we are now. So much of us, of our culture, is not only go to the limit, Visa and MasterCard are there so you can go past the limit. You can live as though your land were even bigger than it is. With just easy monthly payments. God says, no, don't go all the way to the edge. Okay? He goes on. Have your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. And here's what he says. But do not go over your vineyard a second time. Oops, sorry. Yeah. Do not go over your vineyard a second time. Or pick up the grapes. Uh, that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. This whole idea is that uh, they would go through their land, okay, and then they'd they drop some stuff or they'd miss some stuff and it's like, oh man, I'm leaving money on the table. There's stuff I can still do. There's stuff I can still get for myself. And what God is saying is you don't have to do that. I've got you. And then he says this uh, in Deuteronomy as you, as you kind of, uh, same, same type of thing. He says, uh, uh, leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I'm sorry. I am the Lord your God. This is, if you hear anything this morning, hear this. This is what God is saying. Trust me. Trust me. It's not on you. You don't have to work all the extra hours. You don't have to just go, 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 go until you look back over your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, and your 50s, and you go, where in the world did it all go? Trust me. It's just kind of weird. He just says, don't go to the edge or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Just leave them. We're going we're gonna to use those to take care of other people. Now, now think of, in, in terms of our thought, oftentimes if you're thinking like if you work in a company and somebody gets promoted or something, there's this, there's this kind of American way of thinking is that now that's gone, that's been taken away, and now you don't have it for yourself. It's a scarcity idea. That if somebody makes a certain amount of money or gets a certain type of thing, now there's not that much for you. And God says, I want you to get that as far removed from your mind as you can. I will take care of you. I am the Lord your God. 
In Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 19, he says a similar thing. He says, when you're harvesting in your field and you overlook a sheaf, you know, something you've fallen down, don't go back and get it. Leave it for the foreigner, for the fatherless and the widow. Listen, so that the Lord your God may bless you. Now, wait a minute. Okay. If I leave money on the table, if I leave time and don't kind of work and can figure out what I'm going to be doing next week, if I don't go all the, God's going to bless me in that margin. If I don't use all my time, he's going to, I leave him some time, he's going to bless me in that time. That's what he's saying. Really quickly, uh, I wrote myself some notes here. Um, just kind of as an aside for the widow, uh, that was my reminder. If you are a widow, um, if you've lost your spouse, uh, either male or female, widow or widower, um, on Valentine's Day, Friday morning, Lisa and I would like to take you out to breakfast. So if you're alone, um, and again, maybe you were divorced long ago and, and you've just been alone all this time. If Valentine's Day is just a day, a time where you're alone, um, at 8 o'clock we're going to meet at the waterfront. So I just want to, we'll try to call as many people as we can uh, who we know are in that situation, but we'd love to have uh, breakfast with you. We did it last year. It was really fun. Uh, it, it, was, uh, it was great. But anyway, so just I, before I forget, leave it to the foreigner, the fatherless, the widow, so that the Lord, your God, may bless you in all the work of your hands. And then he goes on again. This goes for your olives, your grapes. He kind of says the, the same thing. And then here's what he says. He says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt. This is why I command you to do this. Listen, our culture just who we are, it's not even America, it's just our bent is to become slaves to our schedule, slaves to our finances, slaves to striving, slaves to feeling like, what if I, I, I don't make it as far as I should make it? What if, what if I don't, if we don't get involved in all these different things? What if our kids don't get to see that, the, that all this kind of stuff getting right up to the margin? Now, why do we do that? Why do we tend to go all the way up to the wall? I think it comes down to fear. We're afraid. If we don't take the extra hours, if we don't really go after it, if our career doesn't take off, we are not going to be taken care of. If we don't make it happen, it's not going to happen. We say here a lot in the sermons, if I don't, it won't. If I don't, if I don't do this, it's not going to happen. And God is here to say, this is not the life that leads to the fruit of the Spirit. And so we have this fear of, of well, what about my retirement? We have fear about, what if my kids can't go to college? My fear of this, my fear of that. And I, I just go, and, and God is saying, stop gleaning to the edge of your field. I am the Lord your God. Remember, you were slaves in Egypt. It's no longer like this. Margin is where God blesses us because that's where we trust him. We trust that he's going to redeem the time. We trust that he's going to redeem the money. We trust that he's going to take care of us and all these different things. Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter 5 on this thing called the Sermon on the Mount that he gave. It's just a really great section of scripture. And throughout this whole series of uh, scripture, he's asking a bunch of questions that we can really just sit on and think about and ponder about how they relate to our own lives. 
He starts off with this. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Well, that's easy for you to say, Jesus. You're Jesus, okay? Like, yeah, you're God. You got it all down. But this is, this is Jesus and in in God in a physical body understanding the pressures of what it's like. And he's able to nail it. And he's able to kind of cast this vision for a life for us that we would have with our Heavenly Father taking care of us. And he says, uh, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Here's a question. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Here's one of your exercises for this week and maybe you can even be thinking about it right now. What do you have coming up this week that's stressing you out? Right? A meeting, maybe. Maybe a department meeting. Maybe, maybe there's layoffs coming. Maybe it's just your in-laws are coming over. Huh? You know, right? And that's, that's just where you're at. You just think of that one thing. That's your question. Isn't life more than that? Isn't life more than worrying about those things? Isn't life more than just getting, 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 striving, 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 and then we have a heart attack and we're dead? This is the question he has. And he goes on. And this is really cool because I, I use my imagination when I read the Bible. But like it's Jesus and he's teaching. And so he says, look at the birds of the air. And I think he just like made some birds fly over right at that time. Like, I think it was just like, you know, when they do the star-spangled banner at the Super Bowl and the jets fly over, it's like, like, look at the birds of the air. You know, they just like come over. I don't know that for sure, but I'd like to think that. Look at the birds of the air, right? Here they go all, all over, big thing, you know, pterodactyls or whatever they were. They, they do not sow or reap or soar away in barns. And listen, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Then he asks a question. The question that you could ask this week as you're going through your stuff, are you not much more valuable than they? When you're in the midst of that meeting that's going so stressful and your boss or whatever, or coworker or whatever, you can ask yourself this question. Aren't I, aren't I valuable to God? Isn't life more than these meetings? These are the questions he's asking. He says, are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? The answer is no. As a matter of fact, science tells us the exact opposite. Like statistically, scientifically, if you worry, you will take hours from your life. There will be physical maladies. <laughs> is that it? Bad things <laughs> that will happen to you if you worry. Jesus says this. Can, you, can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? He goes on. He says, and why do you worry about clothes? I don't know, because I don't want to be naked. See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spin, yet I tell you not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, man, think about this. Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So don't worry. Don't bring it right up to the edge. Give some margin, some space for God to work. 
You don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? What I love about this, this, these, these examples Jesus is using is these are like really important things. You know, kind of eating and, and drinking and having clothes on your body are really important. He says, even at the most basic level, whether you're just at the very end of everything, you know, it's all about where your next meal, he says, even at that point, don't worry. Now watch, he goes on. He uses a weird word that we don't really use anymore, although it'd be fun to use. For the pagans, next time you're at work and your boss is like, puts a big stack of things on your desk, just go pagan, you know, whatever. <laughs> huh. You don't have to, but it, it'd just be awesome, right? right? And then um, I didn't tell you to do that. Okay, for the pagans run after all these things. Now listen. This idea that the, the pagans, it's just people who are following this other, other gods that don't do what our Heavenly Father does. It's just, when it says the pagans run after these things, it's just that they believe that these other gods will somehow, if you appease them or somehow just don't make them angry, you'll be okay. And this is exactly what I'm talking about. We run after our career. We run after, you know, oh man, we got to make sure everything's in the right spot. He says, your heavenly father knows. Here's what I want us to do. We didn't do this first service, but I just want everyone to repeat after me out loud. My heavenly father knows. My heavenly father knows. I hope you take that into this week. When, when you're starting to see it, when you get the mailman shows up and you look at the bill, my heavenly father knows, my heavenly father knows. Because I think oftentimes we've crowded out the blessing of God, not because we are not striving hard enough, not because we're, we, we, we blew it and now God's not going to, because we just haven't created the margin that God has created us to naturally have in our lives. And then he goes on to this real famous scripture he says this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. It's going to be okay. You can seek first God's kingdom. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Man, isn't that true? Here's, here's what I've noticed about myself and just in being in ministry and just kind of seeing everybody else's lives. When we are striving, what, what, what are some of the things we say typically? Uh, we, in our small group on Friday night, one of the things we said was, it, you know, we, it's just a season. Like, I'm just in this season. We just had a baby, and it's just like, oh, or my career, it's just right at the beginning, and if I can just really just, you know, hunker down, and I can make it to, you know, whatever, if I can just get through these next series of promotions, if I can just get this deal done. It's just a season. I just got to get this deal done. Once the deal's done, oh, man, it's going to be. We tell ourselves that. It's just a season. But then when you look back over your life, you're like, wow, it was just a season. And then guess what happened? Another season came right after it, and another season came right after it, and another season came right after it. And soon you've got, you know, 57 seasons, and you've never had any rest. And here's what I've noticed about people. I've noticed about myself. When there's a crisis, you make time. When there's a crisis, you throw all sorts of money and time at it. If you've ever had a, a problem in your marriage 
Uh, you know, you're both working, 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 and all of a sudden one day she says, you know what, I never see you anymore, I'm out of here. All of a sudden you got all the time in the world, you're going to counseling, you're spending $150 an hour, Is this, you go to your boss and you go, listen, I can't work anymore, my wife's about ready to leave me, and I just, I gotta, we find time. If you've ever had a kid who gets into trouble, or whatever, and you find yourself in court, and you find yourself hiring lawyers, and you find yourself like, oh man, what's happened to us? It's that crisis, it's that breaking point. Because we have no margin, we get to that breaking point, and when it breaks, all of a sudden, we find time, and we find money. Here's what I'm asking us to do this week. Find the time now. Carve the time out now. If you're up to that breaking point, it already is a crisis. You are already not experiencing that fruit of the Spirit that God would have you experience. If you're in ministry, you might need to back off of ministry a little bit. If you're in a job and everything's going great, you might have to, you might have to just go to your job and just go, I, I, I can't, I've got to redeem some of this time back. I need to be able to pry margin into my life. Now, here's the cool thing. God isn't into making up for lost stuff. See, when I gave you the margin account idea, I was trying to make up for lost money. God is not interested in that. Your past is your past. And the cool thing, the, 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 the burden that God puts on us is light. And, and it's essentially the principle of faithful with little, faithful with much. Can you find... 15 minutes this week to begin to just get leverage into that idea of margin? Can you begin to just go, you know what, I'm not, maybe, maybe I won't take all those hours. Maybe I won't, maybe I'll go to bed early so I can wake up early. I, I wrote some things down here, and this isn't just a, a, an exhaustive list, but I just wanted to get us thinking about this idea of margin. Um, some things we can do uh, Get up 10 minutes early and create space for silence before you begin your day. Again, not quiet time. Not, okay, I'm going to get up. I got to have my quiet time. every. Silence. Margin. Quiet. You're just sitting there doing nothing. You're not trying to accomplish anything. You're not trying to do anything. You're just getting margin. Uh, another one. Get, uh, cut out unnecessary entertainment activities. <laughs> What? Pagan. No. Uh, right? So that would just be, I don't know, Candy Crush, uh, whatever, you know, Walking Dead series, whatever, whatever you're doing. Just cut out unnecessary entertainment activities. Now listen, just so you hear my heart in this, this isn't getting rid of bad things. It, oftentimes we sacrifice the good for just another good, you know. This is rethinking kind of what our liturgy is every day when we get up, what our patterns are. Another thing, um, explore scaling back some of your commitments by asking, is this essential? And so you might be committed to some things, but you just ask yourself that. If you do something often, for example, spend time with a friend, consider um, reducing the frequency without canceling or cutting that person out of your life. And so if you meet with somebody four hours a week or whatever, you just bring it down to three and a half. If you, if you run meetings at your work or your, you know, maybe you can just kind of scale that back 
to find some margin in your life. Uh, trading spaces. Uh, I, I, this is just taking something that you would normally do. So like when I drive here in the morning, I listen to sports radio, okay? And when I drive home, I listen to sports radio. And then if I'm driving anywhere, I listen to sports radio. Um, but trading spaces. So I take that space where I'd normally be listening to talk radio and I just make it quiet in my car. I just get, get some margin. That's, that's free margin stuff right there. It, I, don't, I can't remember what we were talking about last week. Oh, yeah, the Super Bowl. Yeah. Okay, now I remember. Okay. <laughs> Fight ruthlessly for your family time. Well, if you get into some patterns where maybe you're just never eating dinner together and you all of a sudden begin to get this time where you just, all of a sudden you carve out, we're going to have dinner. If any, we don't do anything, and then you fight ruthlessly for it and you have it. Once it's there, you don't give it back. Uh, that's one of them. Leave work early. Um, you know, assuming you're not going to get fired, but maybe getting fired is the best thing for you. Take a Sabbath. We're going to uh, do this um, in a few weeks. I'm going to give you uh, a sheet of paper. And for those of you who want to, like I said, the exercises of this, of this dig deep thing start in a couple weeks. And so you'll have an opportunity to take a Sabbath and, um, and see what God teaches you during those 24 hours. Unplug at a certain time. Okay, it's busy, busy, busy. But right at 8, everything's off. TV, computer, cell phone, everything you unplug. Now, again, like I said, these are just ideas. They're not we're not trying to get rid of everything, you know. Arrive 10 minutes early to everything. That is just like, are you kidding me? But so you can see how these things kind of build. And what I'm hoping this week is that you will grab some time that maybe you never had before and you will begin to fight for that margin. <laughs>